Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad uh, that you're with us this morning. My name is Adam, and I'm so glad to be able to share God's word with you today from Bethel Church. Uh, a lot of you are regulars to our new virtual church services. Some of you might be here for the first time, and if that's the case, uh, welcome. We're glad that you're tuning in as well. Uh, but before uh, I start sharing from God's word, I just wanted to draw your attention to a few things that can help you make the most uh, out of this virtual church experience this morning. Uh, the first thing we have going is we have our connect form uh, next to the video link. Uh, you saw that we have a way that you can communicate with us so that we can hear the prayer requests that you might have going on in your life. Or if you've got uh, praises or other good things that you can share with us, please fill this out each week. And if you don't want to click on the link there, you can always go to our website at BethelChurchAK.org slash connect. Uh, another link that you're going to see next to the video here is our giving link. Uh, we want to say thank you very much to those of you who've consistently given to us uh, as a church during this time of coronavirus. And again, uh, if you want to click on the link there, you can, or go to our church website, BethelChurchAK.org slash giving. Um, third thing, uh, so you can really uh, enjoy this uh, message from God's word with maybe those in your family, or if you're doing uh, Zoom calls or that kind of thing, we have uh, an outline of the sermon so you can follow along and also some discussion questions. So these will be available for you and also at the end of the message. Uh, one thing my wife Holly and I discovered is we can pause the sermon too. So we encourage you to do that if there's a good talking point uh, during the sermon where you and your family or whoever you're watching with want to just stop and kind of talk about that point for a while. I encourage you to do so because you can't do that in person, right? I mean, sometimes we might wish we could, uh, but that's available for you as well. So uh, thanks for joining us this morning. And uh, just as I open up God's word, uh, please join me in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, uh, we thank you that you are king over the universe. Uh, you are in control of this world, even in these days when things just seem a little different and a little crazy. Uh, but we are here this morning to give you glory. So uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, just uh, waking up our hearts so that we can hear what is in your word. Lord, I pray particularly for those who are uh, going through some coronavirus fatigue of uh, just getting tired of the isolation or uh, think of military folks who might have deployments that have been made longer uh, or for people who are missing out on just some of the events of life like graduations uh, or smaller weddings or wondering what to do with funerals. Uh, we pray that you'd really help um, all of our, your people here uh, through this time and uh, even with those special life events that you'd help them make them more special in some way, even though they're very different this year. So, uh, Lord, uh, we're opening up your word. Uh, please open up our hearts to you. We pray this in your name, Jesus, and for your glory. Amen. Well, uh, this morning, uh, as we go to God's word, we are finishing up our series on the book of Galatians. And I am very thankful that this book is in the Bible because it deals with a topic that I think a lot of us struggle with from time to time. And that's, do I have my standing before God by what I do? Do I work for my salvation? Or is this a gospel of grace? And Paul, the Apostle Paul, has been telling these uh, churches in the area of Galatia, we have a gospel of grace. It's not, we don't earn our own salvation. We don't earn our standing before God. But everything's been given to us in Christ. And uh, that is really good news. Um, I can tell you, just even from my own personal experience, years ago when I was a new Christian, I got wrapped up in a lot of legalism. 
and uh, got involved in college with a, a group that was very into judging you, and I would judge others based on what you do and what you didn't do. And a lot of it boiled down to, are you getting up for the 5 o'clock in the morning prayer meetings four times a week? And if you were there, you were a good Christian. If you weren't there, you weren't. Um, and it was a miserable time in my life. And I can tell you, uh, legalism, it'll destroy your joy and your walk with Christ. But more importantly, uh, a life of legalism and a life of trying to earn your own salvation doesn't do it. We can't earn our way to God. He's given everything to us in Jesus Christ. Uh, so this is what Galatians is about, this gospel of grace. Praise God. And uh, I want to say here, uh, too, um, you know, the freedom that we have uh, in Christ that he's given to us, it's been pointed out to us time and time again that this is not just a freedom so that we can go do whatever we want or kind of uh, indulge in um, whatever uh, strikes our fancy. But this is a freedom that God has given us so that we can go live for him and serve other people. Um, as we're kind of coming in the close here of Galatians in chapter 6, uh, we're getting to the point of uh, points of application. Uh, up till now, Paul has explained his gospel of grace. Uh, he has defended it. And in chapters 5 and 6, he's really saying, well, what does it look like in your life and in my life uh, to live under grace and not after uh, living under law, trying to earn our own salvation? Now, um, if you tuned in for last week, we had a great sermon from Pastor Eric. And uh, he asked the question, well, what does it look like for us to live a gospel-centered life, free from the law. And the answer that he gave us last week is that, well, as we walk in grace under God, our lives should more and more reflect the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us. And he talked a bit about the fruit of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit's not just one more list of to-dos, of things you have to do, but they're a sign that we have been listening to the Spirit uh, and that he's having his work in our life. Um, I'm going to pick up this week right where Eric left off, probably with the most burning question you had after Eric's sermon last week. And uh, that question is simply this, am I the good dog or the bad dog from the dog walking analogy? I mean, am, am I the only one who asked this? Uh, we talked about this in my family. But again, I'm assuming many of you saw that uh, sermon from last week, but if you didn't, Pastor Eric gave this great analogy about what it's like to walk in the Spirit. And um, what he pointed out is it, walking in the Spirit is kind of like when a dog is learning to walk with its master on a leash. Uh, I have a little dog, a miniature schnauzer named Coco, uh, and he's not a very good dog, but I haven't trained him to be, so it's not his fault really. Uh, but uh, you know dogs, they're going to want to pull ahead and go sniffing or stay behind and be, you know, uh, kind of be drugged behind you. But Eric's point was, is when a dog is trained well, really what it's learning to do is to keep its eye on its master. Uh, when the master moves, the dog moves with it. When the master stops, the dog stops as well. And he gave this kind of evidence of uh, if you are walking in the Spirit by saying more and more of this fruit of the Spirit is going to be showing up in your life. It's going to become more evident. So uh, what I'm going to do here is say, well, is there any other line of evidence that we are walking in the Spirit. And uh, what I'm going to point out from Paul's uh, letter here to the Galatians is, yes, there's actually another kind of category of evidence here that we are walking in step with the Spirit. 
And uh, I'm just going to lay it out there for you, and then we're going to jump into the passage itself here. Uh, is there any other way to know if you're walking in the Spirit? Yes. A person in step with the Spirit is not self-centered, but humbly serves others. In other words, what I'm trying to say here is, uh, in, inevitably, if God is doing a work in our own hearts, it's going to show up in an outward fashion to others. It's not just going to sit here with us, between us and God. It's going to spread out and show in the lives of others. Now, um, I know some pastors are inclined to just drop Latin phrases on you, that kind of thing. I will not do that. I'm a little Italian, so I'm going to speak some Italian for you if you know what I mean. So I'm going to give you some hand signals to kind of drive this home. And I'm going to say the main point of my sermon here. If God has done something for us here, vertically, between him and us, it's going to show up here between us and the lives of others, right? And uh, no, I'm not conducting a choir. I'm not showing you to your exit aisles on your plane. Uh, but I'm giving you a little Italian hand motion here to make the cross. There's a vertical aspect between us and God, but there's a part between us and our neighbor as well. And um, God's vertical work in our life is going to have this horizontal impact in the lives of our friends, our family, and others. So if you got your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to be in Galatians 6, the very last chapter here. And um, uh, just as we get into what Paul's doing here, uh, I want to talk a little bit about how he's kind of structured this last chapter. Uh, I kind of think of this as kind of like a zooming out, like at the end of a movie. Like uh, sometimes you might have a movie where the very last scene, maybe there's a couple and the camera focuses very tightly on them down here. But then the camera kind of lifts up and you see like the city that they live in and like, oh, isn't that a nice feeling? But then the camera zooms out a third time to like to see the whole planet Earth or something like that. And then there's this fade to black. That's a little uh, kind of how uh, Paul has structured the last part of Galatians. Because when we get into our passage, he's down here in the details. He's going to say, here are some details of what it looks like to live out this life in the Spirit with others. But then he's going to come up to this mid-level and say, well, here's the principle. Why do we live this life of service to others? And then finally, he's going to hit this big principle up top of, this is the point of my entire letter and why I've been writing to you. So just keep that in mind, that there's this zooming back or this zooming out as uh, Paul writes chapter 6 here. So how do you know if someone is in step with the Spirit or not? A person in step with the Spirit humbly serves others. Let's read chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 1, with some of these details here that he's going to put us in the thick of. Verse 1, Paul says to the Galatians, Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Okay, let's just stop there and talk about what we just read. My point here is that a person in step with the Spirit is going to humbly serve others. And after you read those verses, you might say, well, Adam, how did you get there? It seems like we're just getting this big 
kind of grocery list uh, from Paul of do this, do that. I mean, that doesn't really seem to fit with what we just had last week of you don't really do the fruit of the Spirit, uh, but this shows up in your life as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Why is this list of do this, do that right here? Well, if we kind of see this as uh, some kind of random list at the end of Paul's letter of just various commands he's given them, we're missing the big context of where he's been going in the application all along. Uh, ever since chapter 5, he has been going down this beeline of uh, life in the Spirit is going to show up in the life of others. Uh, and just to show you kind of the trajectory of this, I want us to back up a little bit uh, into chapter 5 just to, to review one or two verses that Pastor Eric and Pastor Mark uh, spoke on a few weeks ago, just so you can see how this first part of chapter 6 fits with that trajectory. So uh, looking back at uh, Galatians 5.13 here, to get a running start into our context, Pastor Mark preached a few weeks back and said, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So, again, I, the reason I bring this verse up from a few weeks ago is because this bigger context of chapter 5 and 6 is using our freedom in Christ to serve our brothers and sisters. And apparently Paul knew some kind of drama going on in the churches in Galatia because of this last line. He says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And uh, though we might not have caught it uh, last week here, even in Pastor Eric's sermon on walking in step with the Spirit, it's the same context of serving your brother and sister humbly. Um, the last verse from last week's sermon was chapter 5, verse 25, where it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And that is just a great, powerful statement. Uh, but the thing is, is Paul doesn't just have a, a period or a full stop right there. He continues on in his thought. Really, what it says with the next verse, it says, well, if we live in the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And what the point that I'm trying to make here is that very last verse of chapter 5 it's not some kind of thought out here, like a non sequitur or random thought that Paul just throws in out of nowhere, but it's connected to this walking in the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit is going to change the way that we think about ourselves so that we're not conceited or full of ourselves, and so that we're not going around poking our brother and sister in the eye uh, just to bug them or to be jealous of them. Um, and this is just kind of Paul's way of connecting the dots and saying, you know, keeping in step with the Spirit, it's not just limited here between us and God. Like, he's done this wonderful thing in our lives, and that's it. It's just between me and God. We're good. That's where it all ends. No, his point is, is that if God did something here vertically between us and him, if he died for us, it's going to show up in how we treat other people. There's, a, there's God's vertical work in our life has these horizontal aspects. So if we're, we're keeping in step with the Spirit, 
God's grace to us inevitably should be spilling out into the lives of others. And that's why there's this uh, segue here uh, between walking in step with the Spirit and these very specific, concrete things at the start of chapter 6. It's not just a random to-do list. Paul is showing us, he's illustrating for us, well, what does it look like to live uh, in humble service to our brothers? So he gives three main commands in these first few verses. He says, restore those who've been caught up in sin, bear one another's burdens, and share with those who teach. Uh, He says, this is what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. So let's just talk about each of those three things so we can get a better feel for uh, what some examples might be. The first one he mentions in verse 1 is to restore. 6.1 again says, Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Now, uh, when I think of the word restore, I have this almost glorious image pop into my mind of someone who wants to restore a vintage car. I've never attempted this myself. I don't think I probably ever would. But I've seen people who do this, and it's uh, pretty cool, uh, even from the outside, to see how people will, like, uh, call around or search on the Internet for parts from all over the world. They'll get them shipped to where they're rebuilding their car, and they will meticulously go over every square inch of that vintage car to restore it to what it once was when it came off the assembly line. And uh, if you've seen that or if you do that, you know that some pretty amazing things can come out of that, right? And uh, we might even think ourselves, though, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'd like to restore a vintage car. Well, uh, how does it sound to you if the restoration's not a vintage car, uh, but the restoration of a brother or sister who's been caught in sin? Yikes. Uh, That doesn't sound quite so fun, probably, to a lot of us. And I think... Uh, Part of the reason for this is just confronting anyone about any sin these days seems pretty countercultural. It's like you notice how on Facebook you only get a like button, but you don't really get a thumbs down button. Uh, We're kind of taught to affirm everyone and everything and not really to challenge people. Uh, But what Paul is going to say here is part of this humble service to others can include even confronting a brother or sister lovingly uh, in their sin and restoring them. Uh, back to where they need to be with God. And um, I just want to share two verses on this because I know that this is so countercultural that we, we kind of uh, need to get over this a little bit because it's a way of showing love. Um, one verse that comes to mind is James 5.20. James says, Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Uh, saving them from death is a really good thing. But I actually like uh, Leviticus uh, 19.17 a lot better because uh, it just it hits me a little bit harder where it says there, Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you will not share in their guilt. And that's kind of a heavy thought to think that, man, if I'm not going to, uh, if I'm going to just see someone in sin and let them pursue that, that that's not just not loving, it's actually hatred towards them because we want them to have God's best and to come out of that. And if you've ever had to uh, correct someone or maybe you've been on the end of that, you know it's not fun. Uh, It can be really messy work. It can be hard work, some difficult conversations. Um, But uh, when it goes well, it can be very rewarding too, uh, where people can come back to God. 
Now, uh, Paul does give some caveats. He says, you who are spiritual should be doing this. So he's kind of saying those of you who are uh, who already get this whole grace thing. We're walking in the Spirit. This is a gospel of grace. These are the ones who ought to be restoring, uh, brothers and sisters. He says to do it in a spirit of gentleness, which I find very interesting in Galatians because Paul's pretty spicy in some of his statements here. Uh, but uh, the third one is, is uh, just watch yourself so that you don't get sucked in uh, to that sin. But this is his kind of case number one for this is what it looks like to live this life of grace among other people, is to restore someone uh, from sin and bring them back to where they need to be with God. Now, the, the second little concrete thing that uh, Paul mentions here is bearing uh, burdens uh, for our brothers and sisters. In verse 2, he simply says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I find this to be a pretty broad category. Well, I mean, Paul, what do you mean? Bear someone's burdens? What does that include here? Well, pretty much anything that can be weighing someone down. I mean, these could be concerns or worries or fears. Uh, could be people struggling with temptations or addictions. Uh, could be physical needs. I mean, burdens. There could be a lot of burdens that people care. But um, as I've been thinking about this, I think what this boils down to is being willing to get down and dirty uh, into people's real stuff. And this presumes a certain level of relationship because if you're going to bear someone's burdens, you have to know what's actually burdening them. It goes a little bit deeper than just a superficial kind of uh, you know, casual relationship, but it implies a deeper relationship here. And again, this can be really messy. And Paul picks up on that because in verses 3 to 5, he says this kind of curious thing here. Verse 3, he says, If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. And uh, this has been a really tricky few verses for me to to wrestle with this past week, but I think what Paul's getting at here uh, when he says, if anyone thinks there's something when they're nothing, um, he's, he's basically saying to the Galatians, when you're bearing people's burdens, don't think that you're above all that. Like, you shouldn't get involved. Uh, it's kind of like if you had uh, someone you knew who was a hoarder or someone in your family and you're invited in to help them clean up the mess. Don't just have an instant gut reaction, well, I ain't going to do that. I'm too good for that, right? Paul's saying in these verses, don't think that you're all that and a bag of chips, And he says, if you do, I've got the cure for you. He says, basically, stop comparing yourself with your neighbor and saying, well, I'm not like so-and-so, and and I sure don't do that over there. He says, but just compare yourself uh, without them, just you and God, and see if you want to bear that own load of what you do. And it's kind of like saying, take the plank out of your own eye uh, before you go to help someone else. Don't think that you're not under grace Uh, when you go to help someone else in their needs. So we need to humble ourselves, uh, see ourselves rightly, and then go and help our brother and sister bear those burdens. Uh, Last concrete thing here, real briefly, Paul says in verse 6, let the one who's taught taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And he's talking here in context about sharing finances and I guess other goods, uh, with those who teach God's word. And Paul doesn't really dwell much on that here or give a lot of caveats or anything, so I won't either. 
But the main uh, thing with these three concrete examples is Paul saying, here are three ways, uh, three illustrations of what it looks like to live this life of grace and the life of others. You should be bearing each other's burdens. Uh, you should be restoring one another from sin. And you should be giving with those who teach in the word. So that's the first chunk here. That's the concrete part. Now Paul's going to zoom out to this mid-level thing and saying, well, what's the principle? Why should we be serving others? And at this mid-level, he's going to give a principle and a promise. And the principle is simply you, you reap what you sow. But the promise is what I want to focus on here. And the promise is that a person who's in step with the Spirit is going to reap a great harvest. Galatians 6 verse 7, Paul continues on and says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Okay, mid-level here. This principle and the promise. Principle is you reap what you sow. And uh, this is pretty self-apparent to a lot of us here. It's kind of what uh, Paul was talking about in chapter 5, where you can live to the Spirit or live according to the flesh, pursuing kind of selfish desires here. It's the same thing, but this time he's mixing it up a little bit by giving us a gardening metaphor. And I know just as soon as I say the word gardening, some of you are like, ooh, gardening, I like gardening. This is, this is sunny, it's green, I got things growing. Uh, some of you probably have all those little like plants in your house right now, or if you've got a greenhouse, you are going, going like bonkers just getting your garden ready. Um, my wife Holly and I, we are not so good with gardening. We've tried it before. I think we will keep on trying it again because uh, it's kind of fun, even though we don't always have a lot of success. But if I were going to picture my dream garden in Alaska, I know that the crops uh, are a little picky up here. I would love to have my own little crop of jalapeno peppers, right? I love jalapenos. We love spicy food at our house. I would love to have just like a nice little crop of jalapeno peppers. What I would not want in my garden under any circumstances is a crop of kale. I mean, what would you even do with a crop of kale? I mean, you could scrub your walls maybe. I, I don't know, but it's, it's there, but I, I'm not quite sure of its purpose. So good crop for me, jalapenos, bad crop would be kale. And Paul's whole point with this gardening metaphor here is you reap what you sow. If you sow jalapenos, you're going to get some jalapenos. If you sow kale, you're going to kale, if you know what I mean. So uh, bottom line, you can't work the system. God is no fool. Verse 7, he says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that also will he reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh from the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So that's the principle. You reap what you sow. The promise is, uh, is that you're going to get a harvest. 
And Paul's assuming here that they're going to harvest or they're going to sow good things and reap good things here. But he gives this little caveat in verse 9. He says, you got to keep at it. You can't give up. Verse 9, he says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And I really uh, appreciate this, this verse. I've probably turned to it tons uh, over the years. But Paul acknowledges that doing good, especially in the, in the lives of others, is what, he's, what the context is here. Uh, it's not always immediately rewarding. Sometimes there is this long process, this long haul, and you wonder, is this investment I'm making in so-and-so's uh, life doing any good? And then other times you see, you see some good things come, and you're pretty encouraged when that happens. But uh, his encouragement is, is you've got to keep at it just like you would water your garden or make sure that the moose aren't getting at it or whatever you have to do to protect it, you keep on nurturing that garden until the harvest comes. And his promise is this, uh, this harvest that will come. Now, uh, I kind of put this, um, I think about this in terms of um, uh, the example of my mom. Uh, my mom passed away a few years ago. She was a pretty quiet, uh, unassuming lady. Uh, but the one thing about her is she was the first one in our family who put her trust in Christ way back in the 80s. And I was in junior high, and my brother and I thought, oh, mom's got religion. What's wrong with her, right? And she was the only Christian uh, in our family. Uh, but what she would do is she would bring us to Christian women's club events. Uh, she'd share uh, about God. She'd pray for us as the most important thing, really. And uh, over the years of this very quiet woman's life, God really started to bring a harvest uh, from that faithfulness of prayer and sharing and witnessing. Uh, my brother and I got saved. Um, two of my uncles got saved. My, my aunt rededicated her life to Christ, and even uh, both of my grandmas got saved. And this wasn't quick. This was over a period of decades. And really the big one for us was um, at the end of my dad's life, uh, he was a professed, very vocal atheist, uh, he became a Christian about a week and a half before he died. And uh, none of us saw that coming because we were just so used to him just blowing my mom off and getting angry and yelling at God and these kinds of things. Um, but uh, God brought a harvest there from her faithful prayers, her faithful witnessing over decades uh, for some of us. And uh, I'm not saying that uh, we're all going to get the same results there, but what my point is is that um, when you keep at it and persevere, God can bring that that harvest uh, to, to fruition. So if you're there, uh, I encourage you to hang in there. I know a lot of you are praying for some of your loved ones. You're witnessing to them. Keep it up uh, and see what God will do there. Um, now, the what comes out of this, this principle of you reap what you sow and this promise of you're going to harvest comes a really good application. And that application, Paul says, is, well, since that's what's going to happen, since you're going to reap a harvest, do good as often and as much as you can to others. He says this in verse 10. He says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Uh, Greeks actually says, let us work good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So this application flows from the principle. Do good, work good in the lives of others uh, for everybody, but especially for those uh, in the household of faith. Uh, now, this is really where uh, I want to kind of hit the pause button, not literally, uh, or I'll be frozen here forever, uh, but help us to think about our application uh, from uh, this message to us this week. 
because I want to ask the question, well, what does it look like concretely in our lives to humbly serve others uh, uh, in this age of coronavirus? Uh, now, I'm very thankful a lot of you have been super creative. I just, uh, in coming up here to film the sermon, I met with uh, saw Josh and Rochelle Hafer, and they were collecting the masks uh, that had come in this week. A lot came in, and thank you for doing that. A lot of you are serving at the food bank or doing drive-by goodie bags uh, on people's doorsteps, all sorts of creative things. So uh, keep that up uh, and keep on doing good in those ways. Uh, but I also want to say, as I was uh, thinking this past week on these very concrete things that Paul points out as examples of what it looks like to live uh, this gospel of grace here with our neighbors, uh, I was thinking there might be some other ways that we can uh, lean in and, and serve others as well. Um, here's my uh, first observation on this. Um, Paul mentions the restoration of those in sin. He mentions bearing of other people's burdens. And both of those imply deep relationships. So that's really my first question of application for, for all of us is, what are you doing even now in the age of coronavirus to deepen your relationship with others, uh, with other believers, with others who aren't yet saved? Um, I encourage you to do that. A part of this might be the seeking out of other people. Um, I got a phone call just a few weeks ago. A friend called, no agenda, other than just to check in on our family. And I can't tell you how much that encouraged me, just to have someone seek me out. Uh, but we can be that person who seeks someone out. Um, part of it, too, I think, is not just seeking out others, but a little bit more vulnerability and a little bit more access in the giving of ourselves to relationships. Now, um, I kind of get it. Uh, you know, part of me that I think the temptation during coronavirus time is I'm just going to shut myself off to the world, make sure that I got a bag of chips and Netflix, and I'm just going to ride this thing out until it's all over with and I'll see y'all at a barbecue afterwards, right? Um, but I, I think we really need to open up our own lives, uh, even if that means maybe tackling on a new technology like Zoom. That's new to me, maybe it wasn't to you, uh, but we need to do these kinds of things so that we can give people a window into our lives as well. Because relationship, it's, it's a two-way street here, right? We need to seek others out, but we need to give of ourselves too. And um, uh, my prediction just on this is that I have a feeling that those people who are kind of leaning in to Zoom or phone calls and this kind of thing, uh, with their friends are going to have stronger relationships coming out of it. But I'm worried that maybe some folks who are just going to say, you know what, I'm going to just hold off, might find that they feel uh, kind of on the outside when, when we can't all get back together just because there's been a big gap. Because uh, who knows how long this is all going to go on for, right? Uh, so I encourage you, ask yourself the question, what are you doing to cultivate deep relationships? You might need to be the person who calls up your friend and says, you know what, I want to raise a beautiful harvest of jalapenos in your life. But to do that, I'm going to have to get jalapeno business uh, so I can know you and you can know me, right? Um, second application point here is uh, restoration of sin, bearing of burdens. Uh, it makes us go a little bit deeper, get a little bit messier, and makes us ask the question, are we willing to stay a little bit longer? I mean, there are lots of needs. There's lots of ways we can do good to people here. And I think we need to acknowledge, though, too, that uh, the needs are not all easy needs to meet. Some of them go pretty deep. Uh, just from the examples that Paul gives us, 
someone might need to be uh, confronted in their sin and restored so that they can be walking in freedom with Christ again. Someone um, might need someone just to hear their story and to know their grief. Someone uh, might just need your time and to be invested in for the long haul. So be thinking about this week. Uh, what are some ways you can deepen your own relationships in relationship, but also by seeing below just the surface needs and getting to some other needs as well. Last point here. We'll go fairly quickly here. Um, Paul's already talked about the details. What does it look like to live a life of relationship? He said, talks about the principle uh, over here on the mid-level and uh, the promise that goes with it. Last thing, he's going to zoom out to the whole kind of theme of the book of Galatians here. And at this top level, the principle of this book of Galatians, he's saying, remember, we do all of this. We serve others because we live in the freedom that comes from a gospel of grace. And if I can put it in the terms of how Paul puts it in here, he says, a person keeping in step with the Spirit boasts in Christ and not themselves. They boast in what Christ has done and not their own uh, record, uh, tra- track record. Galatians 6.11 says, Paul says, See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It's those who want to make a good showing of the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those, even those who are circumcised do not let themselves, do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Well, this last little block, again, we'll cover it quickly, is basically Paul's swan song is kind of signing off on his letter. Uh, and even where he, he starts off there and saying, see with what large letters I write with my own hand, uh, probably what's going on here is up to this point, he's maybe been using a scribe, like he's been dictating the letter. The scribe has been very meticulously writing his words down. But now Paul says, you know what, scribe, I got this. So he walks over to the scroll. He probably sees the tiny little writing uh, of the scribing. Well, ah, okay, I'm going to write in my big old letters here. But he's saying to the Galatians, this is important enough that I want you to know I'm backing this. I'm signing off on this, and it's that important to me. And in this last block here, he's really giving the whole theme of Galatians. You know, are we under a, a gospel of law and rules, or are we under a gospel of grace? We are under a gospel of grace. He says, my opponents, they want nothing to do with the cross of Christ. It's shameful. They want to avoid being persecuted, so they boast in their own flesh, and they're trying to get you circumcised so they can boast in your flesh. It's almost like there's this like pyramid scheme of the flesh where they can make this army of rule followers, even though they're not following the rules completely themselves, so they can boast before other people, so they can boast before God and say, look, all that I've done, I've got this army of, of uh, spiritual followers doing rules. But Paul's saying, I'm not going to boast any of that. The only thing I'm going to boast in is about what Jesus Christ has done for me. He says, I'm not going to boast in anything but the cross. Verse 14, 
Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world's been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. A person keeping walk with the Spirit, boasting Christ and what he's done, and not themselves. And even though this is really Paul's last point, it's really the starting point for this ministry to others because it is that vertical reality. What Christ has done is that vertical reality that helps us to live it out here with our neighbors, with our family, with our friends here. Um, The cross of Christ is the thing that God has done here so that we can go and show it there. A person in step with the Spirit is not self-centered, but is going to humbly serve others. And as Paul wraps up his letter, he's a little bit tongue-in-cheek here, a little punchy. Verse 15, he says, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, upon the Israel of God. And that phrase, whoever walks by this rule, is a little bit sarcastic, a little bit ironic, because what he's offering here is really no rule at all. He's saying that all that matters is that you've put your trust in Christ and that you're a new creation. It's not about following the Old Testament rules uh, or the law. And he's saying to those of you who get it, who get that this is a gospel of grace, he says you are the true Israel of God. And that would have been a poke in the eye against his opponents who's saying, well, you got to get circumcised and follow all these rules to be the true Israel of God. Paul's going, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. No thanks. Uh, I'm living in the freedom of Christ. I will humbly serve others, but I'm only doing it by his ability, his empowerment in my life. Living wholly dependent upon what Jesus has done for us on the cross is the essence of this life of grace. It's that vertical element. But the impact that God makes on our hearts isn't supposed to stop here. It's supposed to go out there. So my uh, prayer for you this week is that you'd be thinking, God, um, I'm thankful for what you've done for me. How do I show it here? Let me pray. Lord, we are so thankful to be under a gospel of grace. We are so thankful that our boasting is what you have done for us and not in ourselves. So uh, help us to live lives of gratitude. And then, yet, Lord, still to go and work good, do good in the lives of others, not to earn any standing before you, but as an expression of what you've already done for us. Uh, Give us specific things, bring specific people to mind uh, so that we can uh, glorify you. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.